So hi, welcome to the Good Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with... Hi, David Michael Frank. And we're asking some questions to say about his new single, Only One. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about Thank the response you. to it so far? It's been awesome. Uh, it, it was... I was really uh, I was really nervous. It it was the first release under my name, despite having released a lot of music over the last few years under different band names. So that was like a little scary and also like really just sort of like heartwarming and, and awesome to finally like see my name uh, on my music. Um, but the response has been incredible. We charted at number two in the alternative charts and number oh, 38 on overall charts. And that was the same day that uh, the Panic of the Disco album dropped oh, as well that. as the Demi Lovato <laughs> album. Um, that album's so, good. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was a, it was like a, it was awesome. And uh, the, the response has been incredible. That's awesome. Where, where was the charting? Was it like on iTunes or like what kind of chart was it? Yeah, that was iTunes. Oh, wow. Um, wow. No shit. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's pretty Congratulations. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Thank you. I, I had a little bit of uh, of a backswing of sorts in that I had the pre-save up for probably a month and a half mm-hmm. of and I played it on on tour every single night. And I, you know, I got the crowd into a song that they hadn't heard yet. It was sort of like, hey, guys, it's like you and know, your favorite comedian on Netflix. Like this is the we're filming the comedy special, but just mm-hmm. don't laugh at my song. You know, we're <laughs> we're we're filming it right here. So we filmed every every night and people rocked out really hard to a song that they've only heard little like clips of. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the response was crazy. That's awesome. So previously to this at least like solo you were doing mostly covers correct this is like your first like solo song original song kind of thing is what i'm gathering totally okay yeah and i'm even in bands i i've been doing youtube since 2011 um and then my very first band uh that was the professional band 2012 and then that was four guys oh god the nightmare of story uh that was like a that was like a signed boy band we had like signed the worst record deal of your life you would never want to sign it and they had all the we had a promise of a television show and all it was just a nightmare of trying to get out of a contract and then cease and desist letters and they try to sue our parents it was like a nightmare anyways four guys becomes three guys three guys are independent i'm writing all the music and recording all the music it's awesome uh we're we're, we won the hot topic national battle of the bands it was like everything was turning up for us and then uh the day before the european tour um the drummer changed all of our passwords and held them hostage for a large amount of money uh we decided to not give him that money and tried to go on as two people and now we had to change the name again which was a nightmare and so now we are two people and we were called future sunsets and then my uh guitarist fell in love with a norwegian model and like every band uh he was like i gotta go to norway and so i lost my last guitar player um to a norwegian uh i mean they broke up but anyways it was fine no hard feelings um and and then now i was the brendan yuri of the panic of the disco i was the last remaining member of a band um and it was 2015 and i held on for a long time uh as as future sunsets and i released a bunch of music and i toured um but it always felt a little disingenuous I was like telling people my band name, but I wasn't in like, I was like the only member and I always had bigger dreams for other things, but I didn't change the name for a lot of reasons. You know, I still had t-shirts with my band name on it, stuff like little small things. Mm -hmm. And, and in that I developed a pretty big big catalog of covers and originals. Um, And then when it came time to uh, launch my own career as my name, even though I've been doing it for a while, 
I had to, I re-uploaded uh, about 200 songs, all of the past songs, uh, and I added my name as an artist. So now it shows up under like organized catalogs, like a DMF anthology from the past of covers and originals. Um, and uh, it's all my name is now added to it. So now I have sort of the monthly listeners mm -hmm. uh, that I had uh, grown over the years. But I, I started to start with zero followers. So I'm starting up my follower account, despite, you know, having had grown my followers with previous bands. Now I started with zero, okay. um, but I have the monthly listeners. So it's a struggle, um, but it, I think it'll pay off in the long run. OK, that all makes sense now. A lot of covers. That's the, that, that, that was a wild ass story. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't think that I was going to get that answer when I asked no. that question. Oh. Bum, and then the moving to Norway thing just threw me for a loop. I was like, oh my God, there can't be more. And then you, what? No, yeah, I've I've seen I've seen uh, I've seen some of the dark sides of the industry. I've been like screwed over by best friends. I've I've had uh just difficult even like health things. I broke my spine a few years ago. Like oh I've just been God. on this like this like battle of like making music and realizing the connection that it can make with people and then like fighting for the dream that I'm not willing to give up uh despite like you know I have a business background like I I understand how to how to do how to how to make a business of a of an artist and help other artists and I understand how to do that and I've learned like basic photo and video and and marketing and all of the other skills relevant to like get a fucking job mm -hmm. but I I in in love with with making music that connects with people and makes them feel a little bit less alone in the world. So uh, I'm just a, a kid that's slowly growing up and, and holding on to the dream. Love that. So before we move on further into this song, Panic of Disco has already come up twice. I would like <laughs> to know your thoughts on the new record. Okay. We already kind of poo-pooed it at the beginning, you but did. I'd like to hear your thoughts. I actually have tickets uh, in like two, a week and a half, but uh, my, all right, my thoughts. Um, okay. I... I commend Brendan and team for trying what they were trying, which is they wanted to record analog, which is is tape. And I actually spent yeah. a little bit of time in my past having recorded to the tape. Each reel, you only have 15 minutes and you can do very minimal editing. And they didn't do that. And so they were like going for like having to do a performance from one to the end. And I know Brendan played drums on all the songs and they probably had a great time making it. Awesome. Brendan is also one of the best singers. I, I, I sing my butt off. I've learned a lot from singing him. And this album is a masterclass, especially because they did it all analog. It's a masterclass in hearing where he's placing the vowels in singing very difficult things because okay. it's not crazy compressed. Uh, you know, when you really compress a vocal, you can make a really quiet, whispery sound sound in your face. Mm -hmm. They're not compressing a lot. So you can hear what he's doing. So if you want to learn from Brendan's high notes, you can hear where he's putting it. And that's hard to like learn. Uh, I think the songs are all right. I think he was a little disjointed in that they were trying to go for like a rock opera and then they changed their mind and they're like, all right, let's just like have fun with it. Um, so I think the songwriting is a little disjointed and I think he's having a lot of fun showing off his vocals. Um, and I think there's some moments, but I think because they did it all analog, they actually eliminate a lot of stuff like vocal editing and, and mm -hmm. pitch correction. Mm -hmm. And so Brendan's like killing it in his belting, but he's a little flat or sharp. Mm -hmm. And the average person listening goes, oh, that sounds horrible. Oh, God, why is he doing that? Yeah. Where if he had like the tiniest amount of autotune, you'd be like, 
fuck yeah, Brandon. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Killing it. Yeah. I have seen like it, most of the the love outside of the Panic of Disco fans has come from like musicians and I have a feeling it's all kind of for the same reason, like drooling over how mm-hmm. he did it and all that shit. I personally wanted to like the album more than I did and I think really? I am going to go see him on Friday just because nice. it's like this was kind of the he's kind of the reason why I am where I am now True. in terms of like God, what I listen to and kind of putting me here what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. So totally. I feel Same. like I have to go see him at some point. It's just like I don't know if the music's going to get any better, you know? So I feel like I just go at some point, you know? Mhm. I think he's going to learn from this I and so. I think he had a lot of fun mm-hmm. and you know, it was COVID and everyone, and he also gotten like some weird internet shit. So he's probably going through like some, his own like journey to rediscover himself. Like let, let him do that. It's, it's not his best album. That's all right. I bet the energy though, live, I bet it's great live. Like mm-hmm. I bet it because they recorded most of it live and like, it sounds small and like a little muddy and whatever, but I bet live it's crazy. And the bandmates that he has, are really good and he's got backup singers and the production's always insane so yeah same with me he's a huge inspiration as a as an artist uh, as a as a musician as a multi-instrumentalist he's great on drums he's great on guitar he's great on singing and piano um so yeah I, i'm definitely gonna go i'm gonna enjoy i'm sure i'm gonna enjoy the concert and uh yeah i'm sure you will too and yeah. maybe his next record he might give you a little something a little more because remember hearing death of a bachelor for the oh first time God. you're like God. you're like what what is going on yeah like this is so cool this is so unique mm-hmm. it's like frank sinatra meets like hip-hop meets like rock like what and so like yeah he just sort of went like 80s hair metal and good for him but yeah. you know yeah he's definitely it feels like he's having fun but at the same time i think he's lost his footing a little bit especially like you know you mentioned he had all this controversy and then he's like oh shit i'm gonna put an album out like in the midst of it you know calm down a little bit and i'm gonna do this record now and it's like he definitely probably wasn't in the best headspace considering he went from like this beloved figure to like everybody and their mother and now hates brendan yuri and it's like you know whether or not it it holds any value it's still that's gonna fuck with you no matter what so yeah i, f- I feel bad for for just sort of like how how he probably like then he hid from the internet and then he was sort of in his own world of isolation i just hope that he you know healed a lot and learned a lot and whatever whatever i'm sure the music represents a lot of that for him um yeah i promise we'll talk about your music now <laughs> yeah oh no it's it's all good i can talk about brendan uri all day <laughs> uh, so back to the track uh is there any meaning behind the single title or cover art okay um yeah i mean only one i mean it it's sort of a little bit of a few different plays on words um you know i am i mean this is not the primary meaning but i was i'm now a solo artist so you know there's that sort of like initial like oh play on words that he's the only one in the anyways um but yeah then then lyrically you know the song is sort of about fighting for something you believe in but uh you know letting letting other people involved know that they're not alone in their fight for that um which is what which is what the title uh of the track is about um and uh as far as the album art goes you know uh, i think it was just a, a local photo actually it was funny it was a, a local photographer who was a server at a restaurant i i went to i like went to a restaurant he's like yo you're you're that guy from tiktok and I was like, yeah, uh, hi, uh, I'll say, can I get the steak medium rare? Um, and, and, uh, I was like, well, what do you like, what do you do? And he's like, I- I'm a photographer. And he handed me his card and I hit him up and I was like, yo, like, 
I, I need like album artwork like tomorrow. And <laughs> oh so we, well, I, I never actually looked at his photos and uh, we went to a studio and we shot some pics and they're pretty good. And he did a good job. I, I, you know, we worked with the space. The space was all right. Um, and uh, I use them for the album art and for some of my initial like merchandise and, and stuff for, for the tour I just finished and, um, you know, the poster and, uh, and my social media backgrounds that I had to change. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that, you know, you, you never know who you're going to meet and especially in Nashville. Fair oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. um, so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for this track? Sure. So I, in bands in my life have always uh, been the primary writer, uh, primary producer, um, and I would always like, I would like write the drums, something, usually I'm programming them, but I, I play drums as well. I would like write, write the instruments, instrumentation, and I would produce it and I would like email my bandmates or they'd come by and, and I'd be like, here's the song. What do you think? And they'd usually be like, that's cool. And then the guitarist would like add another guitar line to it. Mm-hmm. And that was like, usually the, the process of recording music in bands. Um, this song, as well as about 20 other songs that I prepared for this next phase of my music releasing um, was actually written it with like a team of like professional Nashville songwriters. So the way that happened was uh, I got to Nashville and all these writers in Nashville hit me up and I like, I, you know, I, I've been through some shit. So I like instantly I'm like, what's going on here? What, mm-hmm. what's, what's, I don't trust anyone at all ever. Um, but I, I meet with them and they they live like the national songwriting life, which I was not aware of. I knew a little bit about it. And I had friends in LA that would like do writing sessions for people, but they were never making money and they were never like going anywhere with their art. Um, and so Nashville songwriters is different. Life's a little slower out here. It's not as expensive to live and they will work with the hope that a song will come out someday and they might get their portion from it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So they, they write at, you know, 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 5 p.m., and they set up different rights with each other. It's this, like, wild thing where everybody's working with each other, and it's, like, weirdly, like, I, I can't even explain it. Um, and so uh, they're incredibly talented at writing about anything. They can be like, yeah, okay, there's, you see the girl in the bar, and the light of the exit sign is red, and, like, whatever, right? So they get in this headspace, and they're incredible at... Uh, you know, vowels and, and, and it's incredible at vowels. They're incredible at, at how to, how to properly compose a song rhyme scheme wise. And, and there's, they use terms called like song math, the amount of syllables in each line. And they like really set everything up and they do sort of counter, uh, you know, meanings to things. So I've learned my songwriting on the streets. You know, I've been writing songs, uh, from my heart and like if it doesn't rhyme i don't give a shit i just write in from my heart and like in that there's something that's been you know i've developed my style of writing i've just developed the way i speak about things um you know the words and chords and everything that i've developed as my toolkit Mm -hmm. um i'm a multi-instrumentalist i bring a lot of like that into me so now you combine that with people who like they can just rhyme every word all of a sudden right right there with like different meaning and like oh like they're just incredible wordsmiths. Mm-hmm. So I would walk into rooms with these people and they write multiple songs a day. When I'm writing a song, like 
I can count on my like hand, like how many songs I've written in like two hours. And like, that's nothing like, like for me, I'll like pace over a song and like get it right. And I'll be like crying on a flight. Like, yeah, it's fucking line. <laughs> yeah. And like them, they shit out, they shit out songs. So you combine people that, that have a, have a talent with that, with somebody who's coming in with like my story, my, my meaning, my words, the, the, the start of something. And also like, I'm not going to just like let shitty things pass through, um, or things that don't resonate with me. Uh, and we're not writing for other people. We're writing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I wrote 20 songs, um, pretty quickly. We did like our first day and we like wrote two songs. We're like, holy shit, this is awesome. And for me, I'm like, what two songs? Um, and then like, we just kept going we just kept doing these writing sessions and they would be like, Oh, I have this other friend who listens to dashboard. You should like, or like they worked with dashboard confessional on their album. You should work with them. And like uh, all these other different like writers with different skills would connect other people to like come and write with me for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, only one was written uh, in like the last writing session day. And it was, one, it, we wrote three songs in two hours. That's like nuts. Oh my God. I, 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 I like left it feeling like confused. Like I was like got punched in the face. Like what? We like walked into a room and like and like now there's three new songs. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, when it came down to choosing the single, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't put too much like thought into it. There was a little bit of a time crunch because. Uh, I, I was asked to go on tour um, and I had about a month before the first show. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to change my name to my name. I'm going to re-upload 200 songs. I'm going to get everything ready. I'm going to do a photo shoot with the hostess at the restaurant. I'm gonna, I got to hustle. And I had this back catalog of all of these songs with these like crappy little demos that are like recorded on your voice memos from a day where we just like are playing guitar and everybody's like humming all out of tune. Like, ah, the lyric uh, right here. Mm -hmm. So uh, only one was something that stuck in my head because it was most recent. And also it had uh, a... A sort of a middle of the line, middle of the tempo uh, rock thing that was not too heavy. It was not too soft. It was, you know, people were going to be able to like enjoy it. Like it was the perfect tempo at a show for everybody to sort of like bob their head and be like, fuck yeah, yeah. yeah this song's hard. Like, so I, I was, I put this song together first, knowing that I was going to be playing it live mm -hmm. for a, a heavier rock audience than I am. Um, mm -hmm. Usually, I mean, I, I could do all styles, but um, and, uh, you know, it was a little scary to choose, you know, whichever one it was. It's also like sort of like a little bit of like a love song. So it's not all like depressed. It's got an element of that, but it's not all like sad. So like, I don't know. I didn't. It's hard to choose what people are going to judge you for because they're going to see your first impression and be like, ah, this guy is acoustic. This guy is lame, whatever. Yeah. And so I chose something that I think was a little safer. Um, and you know, the song did well and it's still going to hopefully do well. And I'm doing some really cool marketing tactics, like an open verse challenge. And we can talk about that if you want. Um, and, uh, I think I'm going to rebel hard, just like Brendan Urie probably will on his next album to bring him up again. I'm probably going to rebel hard. And like the next song I'm going to drop is probably going to be like, I'm going to be like, saying curse words oh, and whoa. Like, shit. I, whoa my god I, oh, whoa, I know it'll that's be in the title it'll be in the title everybody watch and, out and it'll you know I, I might i might go a little more uh riskier you know something that i think would be unexpected and something that i think would be um it's unique to someone hearing for the first time 
Um, you know, I, I love pop. I love rock. I, I, I love a lot of the different genres. And I try to stay up to date with what's going on with music production. Um, I got I got some songs that are definitely a little out there. So they're, they feel like risks. But, you know, let, let's go. Do it. I yeah. have so many questions. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start right. here. You said you wrote a shit ton of songs. You mentioned mm-hmm. the next era of your music career. Mm-hmm. Are you talking this is this is leading up to something bigger? I think possibly. I think I don't know yet what it will be. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed TikTok and, and short form video content and building a like rapid fan base so quickly. Like I've been doing this since 2011. Like I have fans from 2011, mm-hmm. but TikTok was like, hello all these people and they're like where the hell have you been and i'm like what the fuck i've been doing this for (laughs) a long time um and so uh i i think it's an exciting time especially as things go viral and and labels are contacting me and managers are contacting me Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna be of course very wary of anyone i talk to because i need to be i need to have good partners and i think they can't exist in the world but right now i'm independent i have no one on my team that's it it's all me i do all my editing all my music production all of like everything and maybe i'll hire out a little bit here and there but like i am swamped with everything i'm doing Mm -hmm. um and uh I think building a team is going to be important, but I think I'm going to start releasing, uh, you know, singles. And I do believe that I will put together an album. I'm an album listener. I have to have it be an album. I've released yeah. albums under band names and I don't have an album under my own name. So I, I need an album. Fair enough. And yeah. you mentioned you wrote with a bunch of people in Nashville. And I'm very curious as to like maybe a, a list of some of those people, but I don't know if Carter Hardin writes, but I know he produces. I don't know if you have crossed paths with him. He's in the band Chapel. I I have not crossed paths with him. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I'm open to to working with anyone. I, I think at first I was like pretty insecure about working with people because I was like, I'm used to working alone. Like these people write three songs a day. Like, ah, yeah. and then you get into a room and your goal is to sort of just write a song and everybody sort of checks their egos at the door. doesn't matter if you've got a lot of followers or you've written some big hits. Cause at the end of the day, like we're all like shitty at writing songs and we're all like good at writing songs. And, and you, you just sort of stumble to the end of it and then you've got a some, something. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know that writer, um, but you know, I, I would be happy to, to work with anybody. Um, I I wrote most of the songs with um, a really talented writer named Chris Sly, who has a lot of uh, country hits. I know he's in like the top charts right now with like a, a song. I think the guy name is Bailey Zimmerman, and I think he's I think it's Zimmerman. Maybe it's not. That sounds way more Jewish than I think any of the. I'm Jewish, so I can say that. Um, uh, <laughs> Bailey Bailey Zimmerman. I'm right. Wow, maybe he is Jewish. Anyways. There you um, go. So yeah, anyways, they have a they have a country song right now out with Bailey Zimmerman that's like crushing the charts right now. But Chris writes mostly for country artists, um, but he grew up doing rock. And I think that country writing and not the not the Chevrolet and the truck and this and the yeah. stupid kind of writing, which mm-hmm. you know they do too. But but I think that country writing the the honesty of it. Uh, is reminiscent of some of the the emo uh, hits and and things that have shaped us and who we are as music listeners um and uh yeah just the honesty so yeah chris is incredible so i wrote a bunch of songs with him and i co-produced co-produced only one with him um and another writer is mary cutter 
Um, she's also sort of uh, country herself, but she mm-hmm. can write pop. She can write anything. I honestly think country is probably like the hardest thing to write. And so like if you can write country, you can probably write like rock. You can write what, you know, you can dumb it down. And some mm-hmm. country, like I said, is fucking dumb. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of people, some some old friends from, from childhood. And then I, I have a few that I, I wrote entirely my own uh, that have ha- stayed the test of time over the last few years um, that I'll that I'll finish up. OK, that sounds very exciting. Also very excited to see whatever you decide to put out as a, a big group, because I know you said you want to put out an album. So whenever that comes out, I will be there. Hell whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no do, do you guys listen to albums? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Do you think most people listen to albums? No. No. It's a playlist like world now mm-hmm. where it's just singles. I like this one song. I'll add it. I heard this on the radio. I'll add it to my playlist. So I, yeah. And see, I don't do that with songs that I love. I have like, I have like a drumming playlist and I have like a singing high notes, you sing your balls off playlist. And <laughs> well, like, and then I, I'll pull up albums. I listen to albums all the way from top to bottom. Um, but I don't like have them saved usually unless I'm like going on a flight and I don't have what, you know, I, I, I just stream and go, Oh yeah. I'll, oh, I haven't listened to this album in a while. And I'll, I'll just yeah. listen to it. Um, yeah. I, I definitely, well, yeah. no, go for what it. you're saying. I, I'll definitely. I need to do an album, um, but I, I'm gonna let the the mar- music and the marketing and the like anything could happen TikTok and mm-hmm. you know management or whatever. Like I'm just gonna let let it happen a little more organically. And I think when I've got maybe six songs out in the world, I might start to think about putting that end date on packaging it all. Fair enough. Okay. I, I'm definitely like I, I like to think of myself like I'm an album listener like I go ahead I listen to an album front to back I don't like the single shit but the busier I'm getting I'm getting mm-hmm. the appeal behind the singles like yeah. I'll throw on an album like driving to work instead of throwing on my driving playlist and then I'll just wind up listening to whatever comes on afterwards and I'm like oh, and then I just turn on that same Spotify radio on the way home because I'm like you know what fuck it so it's like the it's just it's just easier. I, I don't know. And I, I hate that because I was such like an album listener, but now it's like, well, I listen to the same five songs every fucking day. Like, I don't know. So, and like yeah, with, the, yeah. with the appeal of TikTok and everything, I get why everything's shifting, but I, I hate it even if I'm a pr- part of the problem. Uh, can't relate. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Yeah. Well, how do you listen then? Oh no. I just, when it's in the background, I just put on my playlist, but if I'm actually like trying to listen to music, um, I usually just go album by album. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I I feel like I'm weird where like once the singles are out, I skip those because I like listen to them a few times yeah. and then like the album drops and I and I'm like, "Ah, oh, this song and fuck that." And then I skip to mm-hmm. skip to the songs I haven't heard and I like literally The Panic of the Disco album. I feel like every time I've listened to the album, which has been a few times, mm-hmm. I just skip the songs I've already heard, maybe because yeah. they didn't make the best first impression, but um I, you know, yeah. <laughs> This is a, welcome to our Panic of the Disco uh, discussion podcast. See, that's literally how this podcast started, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I want you to tell us your favorite lyric off this track and the meaning behind it. You know, my brain is like not the best at like just pulling out like the random. Let me let me Google my lyrics for a second. There's no shame uh, in that. that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's cool. Uh, yeah, no, I can, I can, I can play ball with this. All right, here we go. Um, I mean, it's, it's such like a raw, like real song. Um, but 
I, I don't know. I feel like the the we've got life to live and and we've got life to live, but we're both tired of waiting and holding on. Um, I think that's sort of real when you're like going through shit and and it just feels a little overwhelming and life can't sort of move on. Um, and it feels this like time element is stuck and you're trying to just put put stuff behind you and 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 make moves. So um I, I think that one resonates with me. Um, but I yeah, it's I it, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, it's, it's tough. Cause you never want to like give away your, your secrets of your, of your music and your, yeah. you know, everybody can create their own interpretations um, for themselves. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll go with that line. That's we'll a take good one. It. All right. Mm. Uh, would you be, would you be able to tell us where headspace is at while you're writing this track? I don't remember if this is like the first, second, or third song. I was probably still being like, oh my God, we're gonna are we gonna write another one? Wow, it's been like minutes. Um no, I, I think uh, you know, I think, you know, life is hard sometimes. I think uh it's really easy to like put a smile on um on social media and that sort of sucks. Uh that's not that's not genuine to I think how what's what most of us have sort of going on behind the curtain. We all have all of like issues and struggles and challenges in our lives and um, you know, I think I think this song is just sort of like an honest like look at like working through shit. Um, but but uh, you know, I I, I music's so cool, man. I, I you guys probably fell in love with music from such a young age, from the, like the way that it can make you feel, and and when you can like write music, it's so cathartic. Um, and so uh, yeah, I think the power of of getting together and like sharing sort of what you're going through, especially with other people, it's very therapeutic um, to sort of like work stuff out with people and then like get your rhymes and get your song math and the amount of syllables you need. But uh, as long as your message is is there, then and you stay true to it, then then you got a great song. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, so this one should be super, super quick off the top of your head. I want you to describe this single for new listeners in three words, no more, no less. Introduction. Mm-hmm. You're thinking. Can you hyphenate? Hard. Can you hyphenate some words? Oh, yeah. yeah. OK. Depth. I didn't need to hyphenate that. That was good. No. <laughs> um, power. There you go. There you go. That was great. Yeah. That was great. Thank you. Hell yeah. Uh, I, I, that was tough. I, you threw me on the spot there. Hey, that's uh, the point. But you did good. You did good. Uh, that, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, so in that same train of thought, but with not as much pressure, is there a certain feeling or emotion you want your listeners to have while going through the song? I, I mean, find, find, uh, find how you relate to, to the words and to the meaning and to um, the music. You know, I, 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 didn't always listen to the words growing up. And I, you know, I regret that. I understand now that that's the core of the song. Um, but I think in that I, I really developed a lot uh, as an instrumentalist with my music and, and the, um, the feelings that the music can, can convey. Um, so I'd say definitely like, listen, you know, as a, as a producer and artist and multi-instrumentalist, there's always like some cool stuff in there, but it's also now, especially cause I'm, I'm really looking at the lyrics more. It's also being there to serve the song, um, which is, which is really important as a, as an artist and as a producer. Um, so yeah, I just want, I just want people to feel, I want them to feel something, um, real. I want to 
I want it to be believable because it's me, but there's so much music out there that like, I feel like you just don't believe it. Like you're like, this is not, I mean, okay. Who, how many writers are on this? And like, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it doesn't, and here now I'm out here bashing writers, but like, it's cool. It's they're fucking good at it. Yeah. Um, but like when you, you just want to have an artist that you believe in. I think everybody mm-hmm. likes heard Ed Sheeran and they're like, yeah, I get this guy, even though you don't like the biggest Ed Sheeran fan. You're like, okay, I know who this person is. You see mm-hmm. the picture, you will see him live. You mm-hmm. no question, believe him as an artist. Yeah. Um, and I, I think sometimes you, there's a lot of artists out there that maybe you see and you're like, this just feels like they're, they're just copying a trend and they're, they're mm-hmm. sort of a douche. And like, you know, like it's just, I hope I hope it's believable because it's from the heart. Wow. I like that. That's good. Good. Yeah. Uh, so while listening to this track, what band or artist influence pops out the most to you? I know we mentioned Panic a lot. Is Brendan an influence? Is he not? 100%. 100%. Bre- yeah, yeah, Brendan's like as a vocalist, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's not that many vocalists out there uh, at the time that can do um, some of the like sort of more nuts singing that I've been like doing lately over the last few years on TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. But like the bridge of this song, like uh, I like go into like a very emotional, you know, upper octave of belting out uh, my only one. And uh, I think I learned a lot of that from uh, Brendan Urie, as well as probably the biggest influence. There's a, there's a Canadian band named Mariana's Trench. Um, oh, and yeah. I'm a I'm a huge fan of them and the lead singer Josh Ramsey writes and produces all the music and he's also one of the the great vocalists that are out there um right now. So yeah, I get a lot of what I do from people like him. Um I I'm I'm inspired also a lot by my peers. Um I think being in sort of this like TikTok community, uh you you put out your heart and you put out your skills and, and you try to catch people's attention as quickly. And for me, it's like singing my ass off. Um, but at the same time, there's there, everybody's just really doing what, who they are and what they are. And that's how they like find their following is that people are like, people are like, okay, again, I believe who this person is. Like I see who their talents it's, it's real. And um, I, I feel something. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many people that like, now we like duet each other and like comment each other's shit and follow each other and like we watch each other's videos or whatever and like TikTok, Instagram or whatever. Um, that are also in the trenches as artists that are like living and breathing, trying to make music, trying to make a living, playing the marketing game of creating short form content that can be like cringy because you're like clearly like just trying to like be like ah, ah don't scroll, yeah. don't scroll, whatever you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh there's some fucking talent out there. And uh, I, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really inspired by my peers and that's actually been like that ever since I've been a professional musician. And even before I was like watching YouTubers being like, I can do that. And like watching Alex Goot play all the instruments in his videos or like Tyler Ward or um, all these Kirk Hugo Schneider, all these producers that and artists that are now my friends that I like looked up to and was like, Oh my God, I like, I can do that. And I see what they're doing and I just need to try it. And I think you see a lot of people out there that are doing something and like, it just comes down to like trying it and find, And then once you copy them a little or whatever, until you find your own voice, um, then, then you, you found what's uniquely you. Um, so yeah, I've been inspired by my peers. Um, as far as other like big music, uh, I'm always inspired by like literally like new music Friday and whatever is like yeah. popping. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just because I'm a producer and I'm trying to stay sort of up, up in the times. 
Fair enough. Gotcha. I, I'm very intrigued, like, because obviously you exist in this kind of like social media space. Like, how do you keep the content rolling without it getting too fucking stale? Like, it, it is just kind of you at the end of the day doing your thing. Yeah. I mean, everybody that uh, lives and breathes this, you start to like figure out your your lighting and your camera settings and what looks good and sounds good and how how your drum sounds will be to be programmed quickly or whatever it is you need to need to do. Um, And uh, as far as like the stale goes, um, you know, I've always been pushing myself. I never, ever want to do the same thing twice. And I've always just been trying to progress, um, especially as a singer, which has been like my training over the last few years of just like diving in and also my drumming. I'm like, I play drums every day and I'm not a professional drummer, but like I, I play every day and I sing for a few hours every day. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think you find what works for you. Um, but you have to always improve. But I think the difficulty is that it takes so much time to create stuff. I don't think people know that. I think they just consume it and they're just like, all right, cool. That was nice. Oh, sweet. A cat. <laughs> like, um, Where's part two? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and it takes so much time and, and love. Um, I, I mean, you know, only one was probably written in an hour, but the amount of time that it spent to in my computer before it became a, a song, um, I, hundreds of hours. Um, and uh, the best stuff really comes from really like taking the time to do that. But it's tough because we're in such a world of you need to stay relevant. You need to post often. And I've been struggling for years with focusing on the things I care about, which would be original music and creating stuff from the heart that connects with people and makes them feel a little bit less alone. Mm -hmm. But I can't just focus on that because I need to make a video that's like, ah, stop trolling, whatever you do. Here's a high note. Ah!" Like, like, (laughs) you know, it's it's a really difficult thing. And then, you know, beyond that, you know, I um, I I do other stuff. I have a I have a vlog, a family vlog channel. My wife's a, a a big YouTuber. Um, so she has her stuff and I try to, you know, help her with what she's doing and she's going to talk about it and I'll, you know, talk about whatever stuff in the world's going on. She'll do like social commentary and politics and whatever. Um, and then we have a family vlog channel together. Um, and so that's a lot of work is to like film that kind of stuff and put it out on the internet, which is opens also opens up you up to a lot of like commentary and criticism doing the family stuff, but Hey, yeah. you know, that that's fun too. Um, and then uh, we have a baby. We have a one-year-old baby who's awesome. Um, he's 13 months and he's about to walk. Um, and it's like, he's like ready. Like you can hold it. He can hold your fingers and he's like walking, but you like pull him out. And he's like, no, I'm not. I don't trust anything. Um, but yeah. And he's super cute and cool. And um, so now there's sort of that element element to um, everything, but he hasn't like slowed anything down. He's, uh, I mean, a little, of course, but but he's, he's awesome. I can keep him in the studio and he hangs out. I have a vocal booth. He can like hang in the vocal booth. And, um, he's been in some, some videos of mine and, uh, he watches me play drums and he like, will watch like music of like Elmo or whatever. And I will play drums along to it. And he's like watching me and I'll be like, I'll hold my sticks up. And he's like, yeah, he doesn't like, he just sort of says like, nah, but, <laughs> but I, but, you know, he, he has fun. Um, so yeah, life is tough to pursue the art while, um, maintaining all the other things that you do, especially as an independent artist and now a family and, um, 
you know, relationships and friendships and family, those are all stuff that like I have, I haven't done the best job since being an artist in 2011 and being like, this is my dream. I need to do what I need to do blinders. Mm -hmm. And then like you are numb to, you don't sort of see what's going on around you. So I'm doing my best to, to be more aware of some of that stuff and, and, um, you know, focus on the art, but focus on some of the other stuff that at the end of our lives, you know, we, we can all look around and say, Oh, we didn't just make stuff. We like made an impact and we like connected with people. We made some friends and all that. Um, so yeah, doing the doing the arts a little isolating and lonely, especially touring, which mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're on the road, like it's like hard to respond to a text message because you're like so busy and like even when you're like in the van lying down on the you're like few hours to the show, you don't even want to respond to the text message because you're so fried that you can't exactly, even like yeah. open up. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. I did not realize how busy you fucking were. That's yeah. I, I don't know how I'm you're still it. going. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not giving up, man. But my <laughs> tactics are changing. You know, it's when it used to be that you know Katy Perry would drop a new song and it would be like, all right, Katy Perry song comes out at midnight. We're gonna at midnight. We're gonna start recording this song and we're gonna have it out as soon, like the next day. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of success when uh, Miley Cyrus dropped Wrecking Ball. Uh, this was my big viral, like original success. And she dropped Wrecking Ball. It was the fastest growing video uh, of on Vivo ever. Mm-hmm. And I told my bandmates, I was like, you guys, quick, go to the hardware store and pick up a rope and you go get a giant workout ball. And what we did was like, by the time they got back, I had the cover produced at like enough to film to. And we tied this this workout ball on some horse stables in the backyard. And we had made our own whole, own wrecking ball. And I got naked and I we recorded a cover of wrecking ball and it, we had it out in 24 hours. It's still on YouTube. It's now like age restricted because it went so viral. I had we had worldwide press. Perez Hilton, Ryan Seacrest, uh, uh, Billboard. I was on the homepage of gay.net. I didn't even know that website existed. Um, but because of that, like the worldwide press, it blew up. Then like my original album that was already out at the time, like blew up. And, and when we did our European tour, like I was like, yo, where did you guys all like know about the band? It was like wrecking ball, wrecking ball, wrecking ball, wrecking ball. Um, so before it was like being on top of the next new thing, like parents, Paramore just put out a song like it, it was 2013 like I would be recording a Paramore cover right now mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, but it's not and in, unless their sound goes viral on TikTok which they have record label money so it's probably gonna go viral mm-hmm. but you know it's gonna go viral um, but you know as long as there's stuff you know goes viral then i hop on those kinds of trends so it's it's a little bit more of i will record a cover i don't want to but i will record a cover or spend my time producing something out if the the sound goes viral or if the the you know supply and demand kind of a if the demand is there uh instead of going the other way around so when did you kind of get comfortable enough where you felt like you had grown your brand enough where you didn't have to like as soon as the next big thing drops you have to put a cover out immediately um i it's hard to think about when the when that really changed i think when i was living in la um you know it it was a lot different as far as like i almost would say it's like chasing money which sounds stupid but like look we're all we're all in life we're all like going through shit you've got your rent you've got your bills when you live in los angeles it's really expensive so i would prioritize and i have a lot of skills when i was in la i would prioritize 
recording someone else's cover, shooting their music video, doing their marketing, shooting their album, iTunes, whatever, and like helping them get it out into the world because they would pay me for that day's work or multiple days work. (laughs) And so I like was putting my own career on like the back burner. Like I would Mm -hmm. fit my shit in after I like made money from other people. Um, And I, I think something shifted when I moved to Nashville um, and when I got married, it was, you start to think about life as like a team. Um, you know, I, and I think when I moved to Nashville, um, the it's, it's just a, a, a cheaper living. Um, people are a little slower with like it taking in time in life, um, taking in sort of good and they'll go out to on the lake with the boat. Like that shit doesn't happen in LA. You'd be like, Hey, let's write a song. They'd be like, yeah, my day rate's $400. Like I'd love to write a song. Like, no, like here they like, they're down to write a song and it might come out someday and they might get a percentage of some writing credit, which is also like very, not very much. Mm Um, so, uh, I think it just sort of shifted. And then when I, when I started to do TikTok, um, I started to uh, have more success in different ways um, where people were finding my back catalog that maybe I'd like not gotten as, you know, I, I was doing fine, but then now, now more people are finding me. There's a little bit more monetization. Um, and uh, I, you know, I have my own merch. I ship it out myself. There's my merch like on the ground here. Cause I like literally am shipping it myself. Um, and uh, I just sort of started focusing on on my own voice, my own music a little bit more and the background still because I was trying to go viral all the time. And then now uh, it's still a combination of like virality and focusing on the art that I care about, which takes time. Um, so it's it's not perfect, um, but I'm doing my best to try to balance um, those things as, as best I can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, like always very fascinating because like we talk to a lot of like bands that have been doing it a long time and it's like mm-hmm. they're all like fuck tiktok so like getting to kind of dive into someone that's kind of going at the music industry in the modern way and mm-hmm. being very successful with it fascinates the ever-living hell out of me so that's why i had Tick- to had to pick at you <laughs> i can think of so many people whose tiktok has changed their lives i mean yeah. like i literally just got off tour and and you know, the rooms were packed and i've toured a lot and you know, I, I hate playing to empty rooms and it's mm-hmm. such a pain in the ass. And now more people are coming out and people are finding the music. And, um, I, a lot of my peers, you know, you know, COVID and, and lockdown sort of, uh, allowed people to go out and search for some art and something out there and, and find, uh, what they were resonating with. Um, look, if, if anybody is out there saying like, fuck TikTok and then I don't think they're going to have what it's going to take because it, I remember when I was too scared to hop on YouTube and I was like, yeah, fuck YouTube. My mom was like, here's a camera. And I was like, no, fuck YouTube. Like I'm scared, but I'm, that's not what I was saying, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you have to change. You have to adapt this. I've been in the industry for like a few years now and it's constantly shifted. It's yeah. so different now than it was. And, and it's going to be different in a few years. And if you aren't going to adapt, you're not going to stay uh, afloat. I've so many of my friends have given up on their careers all like all of them um and i mean not all that's not true but the people that i'm now connecting with we've all gone through the same shit so i just got off tour with a band named hallocene and and lauren babick and they've both been doing youtube for a while and it's sort of like i hadn't really worked with them much in the past and like now we get talking and it's like oh we started youtube around the same time we like know a lot of the same people and like there's such a mutual respect 
to an artist that has survived and still paying their bills from making art by whatever means, but especially if it's something they really, really care about, like putting their own music and their own art out into the world. Um, it's hard, man. It's, it's lonely, it's isolating, and it takes tremendous like skill to, and like forethought to be able to, to have a independent, successful career. Definitely. I, I respect it. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, so picture this, you're on tour, you're at a gas station for a rest stop. What is your snack of choice? Uh, um, let's see. I, I don't have my giant tea mug in here. I, I, well, this last tour was tough because we all got COVID at the beginning of tour. We had to cancel three shows. So the rest of the tour was, and I know in Atlanta was sold out. So that sucked to cancel. Um, but the rest of the tour, I never felt great. Uh, all of us, like I never felt vocally good for the rest of the tour. Um, so yeah, sure. I will save my, uh, I, I will get the free hot water. I bring my own tea bags and I have a giant mug and then I got, I got like lemons. I got like fresh lemons in the van. I got ginger, just straight up ginger Ooh, root. And mm-hmm. I, everyone would make fun of me because I'm just literally like in the van, just like biting off a piece of ginger and like eating ginger. Like, ah, oh, that's so fucking gross. I'm that like ginger. Gross. I'm like ginger and honey and lemon. Like, oh, my voice. Um, but but so, yeah, vocal health um, is a is a big thing for for me in the in the typical gas station food. Um I don't know what else. I mean, it's such a survivor thing on tour that like if they sell like a salad, you're like, I need to eat this salad because we're just going to keep eating pizza mm-hmm. and like because we need to. And like we're going to get fast food all the time. And like if the gas station has salads, which some of them do, then then you'll get your salad and hopefully it'll hold you over until you have to eat shit again. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so on the topic of food, if your project was a dish, what dish would your project be and why? Okay. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I don't know. I think it's something as vague as a sandwich. Um, but, but, uh, let's go with, I'm like a nice, I'm like a nice pastrami sandwich of an artist. Um, you know, there, there's, <laughs> There's a lot of meat there, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, sorry, that's yeah, took it too far. Jesus Christ, um, but you know that, but that's true though. There, I mean, well, okay, we're getting in a weird conversation, but there is something unique about a big pastrami sandwich. You get that pastrami sandwich, you're like, yo, this is this is gonna be. Oh, I gotta stretch. All right, all right. Anyways, all I'm saying is it's a unique sandwich that is uh, uh, emotionally empowering to eat, um, and. <laughs> And you're you're gonna remember that pastrami sandwich, um, so I, I I'm gonna go with that. Great. <laughs> I'm struggling to get out of what you said in the beginning there. Exactly. Yeah. Just, wow. It just kept getting worse. I don't know. Just, yeah. I, yeah. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, did. That's yeah. <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, so for the last couple of questions, we're gonna shift completely away from music and go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on right. death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Uh, there's a restaurant that, uh, is starting to close down like all over the world, all over the U S and it's so sad to me because they've always been my favorite. They're, they're a baby back ribs restaurant named Tony Roma's. Um, and they're like closing down right and left. Uh, anyways, I would go with a rack of Tony Roma's baby back ribs. And they also have an item called the onion loaf. Um, I would get an onion loaf. It's delicious. Um, and uh i've been getting into bourbon lately so i'd probably have to go with some bourbon um and 
Gosh, what else? I like cheesecake. I appreciate a good cheesecake. That's yeah. good. Awesome. What is an onion loaf? Ah, uh, great choice. So, um, there's there's a lot of uh different like onion items out there in the world. So, for example, if you were to go to Outback Steakhouse, mm -hmm. they're known for what's called the bloomin' onion, and what yes. that is is that's like they like cut it in a really cool way, and it like folds out, and they like do their seasoning in it. It's fine. It's mm -hmm. fine. But the onion loaf is this beautifully wrapped like onion circle and and it and it's fried and uh it's like a giant donut of a loaf and on the ends on right on the top there's a bowl that they've somehow magically fit the onion loaf like fried around it that holds yeah. all the barbecue sauce so uh that is the onion loaf if you ever not have an opportunity to go to tony roma's um not sponsored but uh i don't care i usually don't free do free sponsorship but tony roma's there you go tony roma's right now go get your baby back ribs and there's one location left in the united states probably <laughs> that's it Oh my god! I thought I you mean, went like you know like two have shut down this year, but like there's just like one left. I mean, I don't know if there's really, I, but like yeah, there's like none. And I've been a fan of them for a long time. And like I went to college at University of Oregon, and I remember when the last one closed in Oregon, my friend was on tour. This is my my Yelp profile photo. It's really bad. My, and I my friend was on tour, and, and he was in like the closest Tony Romas to Oregon, and he was a huge fan. And he was in like iowa or something he's like maybe he's in montana i think he was in montana and i was in i was in oregon and mm -hmm. i made him bring me back a, an onion loaf and barbie back, baby back ribs and he drove it from montana to oregon i had the only the last remaining tony roma's barbecue baby back ribs and onion loaf in oregon ever and oh. i ate it and i had a really stupid shitty mustache anyways that's my yelp profile photo go follow me on yelp <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plug. That, That's the best plug in the Yelp. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, if you could live in one fictional world for a week, where would you live? Oh my God! These questions. Fictional world. Um. Uh, I don't know. There's some pretty sweet Star Wars stuff, and like, if I could have some of that, like Jedi knowledge, uh, that would be pretty pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with like, I'm going to go with, I would, I would like to live, uh, no, not Tatooine. It's a little too dry. Um, oh, is it Endor? I think it's, it's the, it's the moon of Endor where all of the Ewoks live. I'd like to live with mm -hmm. some Ewoks and the, on the moon of Endor. <laughs> That's right. a very, very good answer. Good. Thank you. Um, so I have the unavesting last question. Every single person that we've spoken to have said that it is the most important question. Well, what's your favorite color? Okay. Uh, there is a type of blue called cerulean, C-E-R-U-L-E-A-N. That would be mm -hmm. my favorite color. Nice. There you go. That's right. good. That's very good. Um, Thank you. So as I said, that's all the questions you have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Plug? Uh Look, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It, it means a lot. I'm excited to check out your other episodes. Uh, but as far as my own stuff, uh, you know, follow me on everything as david michael frank so check out my youtube if you want to watch the long form but go go hit that tiktok if you want to catch me like singing my ass off and like posting whatever craziness i can until my vocal cords just erupt on me so that's the place to be so yeah david michael frank on everything all right Love well it. uh thank you for style this has been david michael frank and we have been the good noise podcast